0: scares you the most. Perhaps you can't stand the sight of blood. Or maybe the impossible depths of the ocean just terrify you. This is Eerie, a new limited series podcast from Brock Media. I'm Anna Bogutska, the series producer and host, and throughout these next eight episodes, my intention is to creep you out. Every episode, a different writer will tell a brand new story, something strange, mysterious and occasionally grotesque, written especially for this podcast and designed to scare someone, maybe you, out of their mind. In this very first episode of Eerie, Sofia De Martino performs Fisher's A haunting report sent from extreme isolation, written by author Julia Armfield. So listen in and find out what's behind fissures.
1: The light has changed, I think. One thing and then another. That feels important to say, so I'm saying it. The fact of alteration. "'of incremental change. "'I should write it down. "'I will write it down. "'Perhaps if I do so, it will reveal itself to be exaggeration, "'the change less obvious than I assumed. "'The sun persists, of course, "'but the days now seem to dip just a little, "'towards their longest point. "'The sun, around midnight, "'pooling at the edge of the horizon before rising again.' sweeping back to some more accustomed place. Where I am, along the coast northeast of Svalbard, the season won't turn until the very end of August. Light at all hours of the day until, at last, the long blue twilights, the swing towards polar night. In certain latitudes, on certain years, the midnight sun can last even into September. A sickish thing. So much light and so little respite from it. You can, I think, imagine you see almost anything when the light is always there to show it up. I tacked blackout sheets to the bunk room window several months ago, but the paper is coming away on one side. Routine is good. I've always thought this. Since I've been here, since the summer began... My days have been best when distributed into limited parcels of time. Half-hour blocks, I tend to find, are the easiest to calculate. Less daunting than uninterrupted hours. Get up, get dressed, make breakfast, put on outdoor clothes, head out to complete the observations, come back, remove outdoor clothes, make tea, check the comms, write up notes, make more tea, and so on until bedtime. Little enough in itself, of course. Although here, even the simplest task can take time if gone about inefficiently. Getting dressed for the outdoors, for instance. A task that involves at least four layers topped by a heavy down coat, gloves, boots, hat and reflective goggles to minimise the glare. Take your eye off the ball, and before you know it you've spent a full half hour getting ready. An irritant, this. Though... I still find it preferable to keep to a rhythm. Speeding up can lead to sloppiness, which can lead to dangerous mistakes. There was a morning, I forget exactly which, when I found myself out of doors without socks or boots, having apparently forgotten them in the rush to get changed. That was a mistake. An error made in haste, of course, but one that could have cost me dearly. Once back inside I had to heat my feet up gradually in varying temperatures of water to guard against frostbite and even so several of my toes have yet to regain feeling bad thing stupid thing Since then I've taken to sleeping in my socks I should keep an eye on the weather or rather on the quality of the light It is I think the same but sometimes I feel less certain I should write it down. I will write it down. The observations need to be taken early. The ice toward the foot of the cliffs tested for density. The holes measured in case of any changes in depth or diameter. A sample of melt water taken to bring back to the cabin. I walk along the curve of the bay. Keep to the places where the snow creaks reassuringly. Dense and somehow deadening. The light along the ice is as it always is in daytime stark reflective the wind rattling up from the sea i do my tests take my samples make my way back up the beach this is my routine it works best when i stick to it observation is dull work rendered more so by repetition by the need to fulfill the same steps at the same time every day The task is to report any changes on the holes in the ice, five of them, each about three feet in diameter and holding, each curiously clean, as if scored by something mechanical, though there is no clear reason for this. I report the bare bones of each day's findings via the comms machine to the base at Longyearbyen, then write up my notes in more detail. Fisher 1 three feet in diameter depth approx 12 feet ice consistency fair temp at surface minus two in all aspects unchanged a lack of change is broadly encouraging any movement could indicate deterioration a shift towards something more unclear I make my notes and feel abstractly relieved at the sameness another day free of incident sometimes at night when the sun dips down along the bay as if threatening to diminish, I think about this. A lack of change is broadly encouraging. I write it down, the way I write my observations. I prefer, in the main, that things stay as they are. The cabin is not what you might call homely, though it serves my own purposes tolerably well. Set up along a right angle... It hunkers down along the barrel of the bay, largely sheltered from the worst of the wind, except across its broadest side, which happens to be the main wall of the bunk room. At night, the noise along the perimeter can be considerable. The wind. The meanness of it. The long, low sense of something bearing down. There are several sleeping bunks, And I have, over the course of the expedition, tried all of them in the hopes of finding one that shelters me better. The noise persists wherever I put myself. The sound like an open throat. Like something emptied. I sleep not only in socks, but with a pillow over my head. In the mornings, it tends to be better. The routine, then. Get up, get dressed. Make breakfast, pull on outdoor clothes, head out for observations, come back, remove outdoor clothes, make tea, check comms, write notes, make tea, and so on until bedtime. The light along the ice, the wind from off the sea. I do my tests, take my samples, do my job the way I always do. The sun sometimes seems to move across the surface of my eyes like something solid, pressing in against my eyelids when I try to sleep. The loose flap of paper in the bunk room is an irritant. I have tried to tack it down and it springs back up again. The strip of light across the bunk room like something scored with a knife. The holes in the ice hold fast, however many times I check them. Fisher 2, 3 feet in diameter. Depth aprox 11 to 12 feet. Ice consistency fair. Temp at surface, minus 1. We don't really know what made them, though my job is simply to categorise, not to investigate. There is a small weather station, 50 feet or so, along the bay from where I take my measurements, though I have to assume that this is a relic from some expedition prior to my own. The freestanding tower contains several thermometers and instruments to measure wind speed, though this is of little interest to me, as I am not a meteorologist. I have wondered, on occasion how long it's been since this station was in use. When I report the day's findings back to Longyearbyen, there is seldom an answer beyond radiostatic. But this is to be expected. The base is uninhabited most of the year, though a messenger from the Institute will periodically pass by to pick up old transmissions. I'm leaving notes for some future collector, passing along information that will be old news by the time it's received. Some days, the radio static seems to hold some implication of a voice. A sensation of something close to speaking. Though this is only interference. The wind gets into the telegraph machinery and makes things difficult to operate. The routine, then. Get up, get dressed, make breakfast. Breakfast. Pull on outdoor clothes, head out for observations, come back, remove outdoor clothes, make tea, check comms, write notes, make tea, and so on until bedtime. Get up, get dressed, make breakfast, pull on outdoor clothes, head out for observations, come back, remove outdoor clothes, make tea, check comms, write notes, make tea, and so on until bedtime. It is easy, if you aren't paying close attention, to lose time a little. On the day I found myself outside without socks or boots, I was first convinced I had only just stepped from the cabin, though latterly I discovered that I must have walked all the way to the observation point and back, since I had the day's meltwater sample in my pocket. On occasion, I can find myself somewhere and not remember how it happened. I have stood over the long chest in the main room of the cabin, without knowing whether I have just closed it or just come over to open it up. I have found myself frozen in the strip of white light that scores the bunk room in half without knowing how long I've been standing there. The days are marked by routine and by the clarity of the light, by the wind and the radio static and the blunt distinction between indoors and out. I am cold outdoors. Indoors, I am warm again. I take my notes in freezing temperatures and write them up in full indoors, as my hands warm up. Fisher three, three feet in diameter, depth approx twelve feet, ice consistency fair, tempered surface minus two. I make my tea at the table and look along the cabin walls. There are patches where the whitewash seems a little darker, as though a mirror or a picture might have hung there long enough to leave a stain. I learned once that there is no exact term for this phenomenon, though it feels as though there ought to be some complex German word to describe the shadow of a thing long since removed. I am here because it is my job, and because it suits me to be so. I enjoy precision, the shape of a task squared away. Routine. Get up. Get dressed. Make breakfast. Outdoor clothes. Observations. Come back. Remove outdoor clothes. Make tea. Check comms. Write notes. Make tea. And so on until bedtime. Although bedtime can be tricky when the noise is bad. Get up. Get dressed, make breakfast, outdoor clothes, observations, come back, remove outdoor clothes, make tea, check comms, write notes, make tea, and so on. The wind is not my friend, nor is the sound beneath it. A creaking that can sometimes sound like footsteps on the fresh packed snow outside. Though in fact it is the sound of pack ice champing together out in the bay. My feet are not doing so well, although this is a side issue. Three toes on my left foot have turned an unusual colour after the incident when I wound up outdoors without shoes, and two more on my right foot are going the same way. I layer on socks and hope this will be enough to distract me from the telltale itching. Hope too that I won't once again lose focus and find myself somewhere I shouldn't be. When she was seventeen, my mother stepped in front of a car, and told the story afterwards in a small series of objects. Gravel, hubcap, thighbone. She was fine, of course. The car swerved at the last moment and only clipped her, though the way she told the story always hid the central facts beneath more minor details. It can be easier sometimes to approach things this way. A small series of objects. Gloves, downcoat, goggles bunk beds, packing crates, a wall of missing pictures. The observations, in themselves, are really little more than this. Fisher 4, 3 feet in diameter, depth between 10 and 13 feet, ice consistency fair, tempered surface, minus 1. I move around the bunk room, counting pillows, counting mattresses and blankets, and the place where boots might be stored beneath a bed. Awake at night, I list nouns in my head until I fall asleep again. Bowl, spoon, shovel, camera, ice pick, mitten, towel, hammer, hacksaw, bone, snow, drop. That last not actually a noun, nor is drag, though that is also a word which recurs with a curious regularity. I often dream this way, sensation of dragging something heavy across snow prior to dropping it. I wake with my hands clenched tight. Up, dressed, make breakfast, outdoor clothes, observations, back, outdoor clothes off, tea, comms, notes, tea and so on. Up, dressed, make breakfast, outdoor clothes, observations, back, outdoor clothes off, tea, comms, notes, tea, and so on and so on. The creaking noise is usual, though it can be unsettling. When I'm writing up my notes, I typically position myself with my back to the wall, just so I can be sure of what's around me. There are a set of notepads stacked on top of the long chest that are quite often in my eyeline, Though I can't remember whether these contain old notes of mine or something else entirely. I've been here so long, I suppose, to fill several pads with observations, though I don't imagine they'd be so interesting to reread. I don't look at them. I stick to the routine. The light across the ice, the wind from off the sea, the quality of the sunlight, the fact that it may or may not be dipping. Write it down. Don't read what you've written. Up, dressed, make breakfast, outdoor clothes, observations, back, outdoor clothes off, tea, comms, notes, tea, and so on, and so on, and so on. I feel fine, for the most part, I really do. I know people might imagine my situation to be less than appealing, but really, it's all about keeping to task. I like the quiet when it is quiet. And the idea of a job done well and consistently... It's nice in its way to be uninterrupted. People back home would go a long way for this kind of break. Fisher 5, 3 feet in diameter. Depth approx 11 feet. Ice consistency fair. Temp at surface zero. I collect meltwater to test its mineral properties, measure each hole in the ice to ensure they aren't getting bigger and indicating any greater sense of instability. On occasion... I take a look at the sides of the fissures, the hard, scored sides of the holes that often seem too harsh to have been caused by some freak of nature. Though nature is what I have to assume it was. I'm anxious about leaning too far over. The water beneath is well below freezing, and once in, I'm not sure how you'd get out. I'm tired which I think is mainly to do with the light, and the sound of the wind, and the sensation. Besides that, my feet might be getting worse. I prefer not to look at them, layer on socks and keep my thoughts on other things. I don't look, and don't look. And then I do take a look at one of the notepads stacked on the long chest. I find it's written in a hand quite unlike my own. The observations aren't mine but rather notes on wind resistance and air pressure. Predictions on pack ice and coming snowfall. October 25th reads one entry. Last two days of passing sunlight. From the 27th we will be at the mercy of the polar night. I set the notepad back down and look along the walls of the cabin, easy in the absence of pictures or photographs to imagine nothing ever hung there, likewise easy in the absence of night time to imagine there was never any darkness at all. That's not right, of course. It was dark when I found myself outside without shoes or socks on, though I now can't quite remember how I know that or why. "'I'm not sure whether I wrote it down. "'The dark is not a welcoming prospect. "'The idea of whole months together, "'without even a hint of the sun. "'In this latitude, polar night will usually span "'from late October to early February. "'That's something like four months in the dark. "'I have to hope I'll be done with observations by this point. "'Although, as with anything cyclic, "'it's rather difficult to tell.' Up, dressed, breakfast, outdoor clothes, observations, back, outdoor clothes off, tea, comms, notes, tea, up, dressed again, and on, and on like that. Fisher one, three feet in diameter, depth aprox 12 feet, ice consistency fair, temp at surface minus two, in all aspects unchanged. Sometimes at night, the ice in the bay sounds like it's talking to itself. The quiet conversation of flow against flow. Sometimes at night I hear footsteps on the walk outside the cabin, though they sound less like boots and more like something softer, like something that has shucked its shoes to walk barefoot in the snow. I read the notebook stacked on top of the long chest. November 3rd, reads one, the endless dark is proving heavy going. The company feels more claustrophobic than it did. The atmosphere a little testy. I take my observations in the light walk to the cabin in the light watch the long white shapes of the ice on the sea all in the light Fisher 2, 3 feet in diameter depth approximately 11 to 12 feet ice consistency fair temp at surface minus 1 I have taken my socks off to examine my feet and find there is something wrong something worsening the skin is not as I remember it the feeling largely missing. Spread of black from the nail bed of my big toe to the centre of the foot. Routine is best, I think. Keep my socks on. Fisher 3, 3 feet in diameter. Depth, approximately 12 feet. Ice consistency fair. Tempered surface, minus 2. I came here to do a job, of course, though occasionally when I communicate my findings to an unresponsive base, it occurs to me that Perhaps the job was once something different, that I have forgotten, or otherwise misunderstood. It's difficult, in so much light, to see entirely clearly. The notepads on the long chest become difficult, incoherent. December 12th. Dark days. Bad atmosphere. All of us feel crammed in here together. Sometimes I will look at my companions and forget their faces, forget I ever knew them at all. I've wondered about opening up the long chest, though this seems largely pointless as I seem able to get along quite well with whatever it might contain. I've been here a long time by now. I know what I need to get by. Fisher four, three feet in diameter, depth between ten and thirteen feet, ice consistency fair, temperate surface minus one. It is odd, I suppose that there are so many beds in the bunk room, though I imagine this cabin was built long ago for expeditions other than my own. It is odd, I suppose, that they would send someone here to complete research solo. Such harsh conditions, in such an unknowable place. The wind talks the way it always has. The ice in the bay like something gurning, groaning, threatening to tell. Drag, I think. Drop, I think. Wake with my hands clenched as if around someone's collar. Fisher five, three feet in diameter, depth approximately 11 feet, ice consistency fair, temp at surface zero. There are six beds in the bunk room, only one of which appears to be for me. It can happen on occasion that I find myself somewhere and can't remember how that came to be. I have stood over the long chest in the main room of the cabin without knowing whether I have just closed it or just come over to open it up. I found myself frozen in the strip of white light that scores the bunk room in half without knowing How long I've been standing there. The chest is not locked. It is, in fact, easily opened if you first remove the notepad stacked on top. Easy enough to do to open it up and to discover what's inside. Bowl, spoon, camera, ripped pair of mittens, ice pick, hammer, hacksaw, fragment of bone. Easy enough to lift out the framed photographs of six people post in front of the cabin, words scribbled at the base of the image. September 15th, first full day together. Exciting times to come. The light in the photograph is milky, the sun dipping towards the horizon but not yet bound to disappear. In the photograph, I seem to smile along with my companions, My face lit only halfway, as though in anticipation of the evening. The ice pick is stained a little, towards the sharpest end. I have never used an ice pick in my observations. Would not need one to keep an eye on the state of five holes in the ice, through which anything might have fallen. I close the chest again. Decide not to check on the state of my feet. They're the right one. It's itching quite badly. It was dark when I found myself outside with no shoes and socks. I know that. Dark when I dragged one thing down across the ice, and dropped it. One thing, then two things, then more after that. Routine is good. Routine is good. Routine is good. Routine is good. I've always thought this. Up, dressed. Breakfast, outdoor clothes, observations, back, outdoor clothes off, tea, comms, notes, T, up, just again, and on, and on, and on.
0: Thank you for listening to Fishers. Written by Julia Armfield and performed by Sofia Martino. Eerie is produced and hosted by Anna Bakatskaya, edited by Mike Munzer, with original music by Mitch Bain, and our artwork was designed by Mike Lee Graham. Eerie was co-produced by Rohina Cameron-Pereira for Brock Media, and our executive producers were Sarah Brocklehurst and Nicole Davis. Follow us at We Are Brock Media on Twitter and Instagram for updates on Eerie, Never Told, and other Brock Media podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode of Eerie, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your scary stories.